great uh, rapper, theologian, Shai Lin, summed it up in, well in his mid-2000s song, Jesus is Alive, House of Tea Remix, and uh, Shai Lin set a number of us straight in our theology back in the early 2000s, like you, Herman, I know he did. And he tells them this song, Jesus is Alive, is what it is all about. That on this point, our entire faith stands or falls. In this song, he says, Plato is dead. Socrates is dead. Aristotle and Immanuel Kant are dead. Nietzsche and Darwin are dead. However, Jesus is alive. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Gandhi and Haile Selassie are dead. Elijah Muhammad is dead. However, Jesus is alive. And this is the unique and special claim of our faith amongst all of the world religions and beliefs. It is what more than two billion people gathering on Easter Sunday worship the Lord together across the entire globe saying Jesus is alive. It makes us think, and the rapper Shailin, he goes on in this song saying, throughout history there's been mad religious leaders, prophets, preachers, scholars, teachers. But when it came to the grave, no one could climb out. That's where Jesus stands alone like taking a time out. And don't be misled, I got a level head. No resurrection, Christianity would never have spread. The the disciples weren't stupid guys who would ruin their lives and then choose to die for what they knew was a lie. That would be beyond ridiculous. Nah, the issue is the risen Christ seen by 500 eyewitnesses. Imagine 500 people in a court of law, each of them taking the stand, reporting what they saw. If their stories lined up and made sense, the evidence would have to leave you convinced. But still, it's by faith that we trust and praise the Son who was raised for our justification. And this is what we believe, that Jesus is alive. So let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Risen Lord Jesus, amongst all the things, it is by faith that we faith that we trust and praise you that you are alive. Even our faith is a gift given you through your word, like we've heard from Sebastian and Sarah, that you give faith when there's darkness. And so would you flood our hearts with joy and faith, faith to see that all of life is resurrection hope. It's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray and look and hope to you this day. Amen. So this scripture from Job, these words of Job recorded for us are recorded in sacred scripture and have been passed down to us across the centuries that these are the oldest recorded words of scripture. That Job was a contemporary probably of Abraham, but his words were written before Moses recorded Genesis. And so for you and me, when we read the Scripture, we read it with the resurrection in mind. So everything looks like Easter. And Job, in this chapter 19, he speaks of things which he can hardly understand as if he sees them from afar and dimly. And in his life, it is through the crucible of suffering that these words of Job get to the very substance of what life is all about. 
from hopes that have been held high in your life and dreams that have been dashed against the rocks of affliction, from experiences of pleasure to the deepest of pains, of ecstatic joys to overwhelming despair, it is from the pit, from the valley of the shadow of death that Job declares the substance of what life is all about. And he says, For I know For I know, oh, that these words could be recorded in stone, kept for the ages. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last day He shall stand upon the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, after I have been buried, after my bones have been ripped from me, and nothing is left, yet in my flesh, I shall see God. You see, it is from the crucible of suffering that Job has glimpsed the hope of the resurrection. That we shall see God in our physical bodies. This is the substance of what life is all about. As for Job, he has experienced 19 chapters of opposition and pain. As the pastor Gardner Taylor once said, the window through which he sees his life has narrowed. But once he had a grand estate with bleeding sheep and lowing cattle, there is now nothing but the howling of the wind. All the work of his hand has come to absolutely nothing. His grown children once were gathered around his table until their lives were snuffed out in the prime of their life. He says in this chapter, My breath is strange to my wife. He's not saying his wife is saying, Take a tic-tac or have a piece of gum. My breath is strange to my wife. He is estranged from her. And it is beyond the breaking point in his marriage that she has said to him, curse God and die. His bones have stuck to his skin. His health is gone and his body has turned against him. Even his close friends, his ones who are to be his comforter and his counselors, have turned against him and accuse him day and night along with the great accuser, the evil one, Satan himself. The window out of which Job sees his life has narrowed to a tiny slit. That he has at this point sunk into the pit. The waves are at his neck. The riptide of life is pulling him out. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Your health taken from you. Or pain narrows the window of your life where all of your work comes to nothing and you wonder what it's all about and you can barely pay the bills and life narrows to a slit. Have you been so estranged from your spouse or from your loved ones that all you want to do is call it quits? Or have you heard it said with Job, all whom I love have turned against me. 
Have you felt alone? Have you felt betrayed by the ones who love you most? Perhaps like Job in Job 19, he says, I cry out violence, but I'm not answered. I call for help, but there is no justice. Such crucibles of suffering can show us the substance of what life is all about. And what you have probably known and experienced is that we humans can endure much if we know that God is for us. If God is for us, Paul says, who can be against me? We are more than conquerors through Christ who has loved me. Paul says, if God is for me, I can run against a troop and I can leap over a wall, says the psalmist. If God is for me, I can endure the crucible of suffering. It makes all the difference. But if God, but if God is against me, then what else is there? For Job pleads at the beginning of our reading, be merciful to my friends, the hand of God has touched me. That is, it is heavy upon me. He is against me. In this chapter, in chapter 19 earlier, he says, God has walled up my way. He breaks me down and I am gone. He has stripped my glory from my crown off my head. He has kindled His wrath against me. Beloved, you and I, we can endure much pain in this life. But if God is against us, this we cannot endure. And there is one man, there is one man who knows this better than Job. You know who it is? It is Christ Jesus Himself, God in human flesh, that He endured all manner of humiliation and suffering in His life, that He exchanged the riches of heaven for the life of a poor man on earth. He exchanged all that. He could handle His friends abandoning Him in the garden. He could handle the kiss of one who loved him turning against him. He could withstand the accusations of the evil one. He could despise the shame on the cross and endure its excruciating pain. But in the garden, he nearly broke when he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. The cup of wrath. And on the cross, in our place, for our sin, he felt God against him in a way that Job had not even felt. Where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His glory was stripped and his crown was taken from him. And he was laid in that tomb. Christ was buried in the pit The waves overtook him. The window through which he saw his life closed into darkness. And in the crucible of suffering, we see the substance of what life is all about. And Job, here he has no defense, he has no defender. 
with no one to defend him, no kinsman redeemer to take up his cause, no one to be for him. And at that point, he says, mark my words, would somebody inscribe these words that I am about to say upon a rock? But yet they are written for us in Scripture with his family against him, with his friends against him, with his body against him, with God having been against him, he says in verse 21, in verse 25, For I know my Redeemer lives, and at the last day he shall stand upon the earth. For this I know, that after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. That despite all of the calamities, the window through which Job has seen his life, it shall open again. He shall see God in his very body. This is the resurrection hope that his Redeemer will one day vindicate him where no others will vindicate him. You see, a Redeemer is one who defends you from accusations. A kinsman Redeemer is one who takes up your cause. The Redeemer gives the defenseless a defense. He sets the captives free. In the Old Testament, your nearest kinship, your nearest kinfolk would be your Redeemer, the avenger of your blood. If there is no kin for you, a distant relative. If there is no distant relative, a further distant relative. If there is no relative, it comes to the very king of Israel to be your kinsman redeemer. But Job has no one who will be for him. He has no one. And do not let this point go unnoticed that God who has been against Job His hand upon him is now the God who will be for Job. Who will be for him. Jesus will be the avenger of blood for Job upon the cross. Jesus, he rose in the body. Jesus was vindicated over the grave. Jesus is now ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And Jesus shall come again and he shall stand upon the earth. He will be Job's defense and his kinsman, Redeemer. And if you believe this, in his resurrection and trust in his name, Jesus will be and is your Redeemer too. And he will stand upon the earth and be your defense. Because Jesus is alive, these words now can be our words. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, He shall stand upon the earth. And he goes on in verse 26, And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh, in my flesh, I shall see God. Do you know That Easter means that the substance of what life is all about is not going to be some disembodied, immaterial spirit world. They will be the real world of material and spiritual stuff together. That after your life has narrowed to death 
after your body has decayed and turned to ash, after all of your dreams have died, after that, you will see God with your own eyes, physical eyes in a perfected body, your own eyes. Why is this? Because Jesus is alive. He is flesh and blood raised from the pit of death in perfected life. His resurrection is the promise and foretaste that by faith you one day will be raised to see Him. This means, brothers and sisters, that not only will He be your defense, will He defend you, but the window through which your life has narrowed to a slit, it will be flung wide open. Your life will be open wide like the tomb was rolled back from the grave. You will see a vista greater than you can imagine because in your flesh you shall see God. In your body. Life can be so hard, but life can also be so incredibly good. Even now, you may experience strength in your body. You may have deep belly laughters with friends. The joy of seeing new children. The love and admiration of your family. You may taste the best of foods. You may have the greatest of adventures in your life. You may have plenty of rest and peace. But do you know what? The best is yet to come. You see, in your worst days, when it seems like your best days have come and gone and your life has narrowed, the resurrection hope is that your best days are still to come. And in the very best days of your life, the best days on earth that you have, the resurrection hope is that your best days are still also yet to come. From the best of times and the worst of times, the best is yet to come. Because he says, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him, and not another, and my heart faints within me. You see, brothers and sisters, friends, the best is yet to come because Jesus has been raised and so shall we. J.R. Tolkien in his epic novel, in the last book of it, The Return of the King, the Dark Lord Sauron, his defeat is imminent and Gandalf the Grey has descended deep into the pit of darkness. And he has returned now in radiant white and the hobbit Samwise Gamgee finally encounters his friend Gandalf again and he says to Gandalf, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? Yes. For Christ Jesus is alive. And I know 
that my Redeemer liveth, and at the last day he shall stand upon the earth. And everything sad is going to come untrue, and it will somehow be greater for having once been broken and lost. The best is yet to come, for we shall see him. We shall see him. And in the Revelation, chapter 5, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you redeemed the people to God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests and they shall reign on the earth. Let's pray.